0: This is No Stop Lights with Ken R. Welcome to another edition of No Stop Lights. I want to thank our sponsors once again, Mickey Finns, Marburgia Electric. Schofields, Carolina Bank, Pepsi of uh, Florence. Um, we have we've, we've we've been told that the the scroll behind us is distracting. Um, that's pretty much because the host is not very interesting. It's easy to be distracted when the host it and is very competent or, or interesting. Uh, but I do want to thank our sponsors, and I mean this sincerely. Um, we are figuring our way around the digital, uh, the digital universe the best way um, we know how. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining in. We would encourage you to subscribe to our um, – uh, help me here, Dave. I'm going to subscribe. He's Rev in the morning. He's Dave in the podcast. That's right. I, I, I want to be Hard for you get used here. to. S- same guy, just different name. Yeah, so we want you to subscribe. In fact, if you're listening now, you have found us either on YouTube, one of the video platforms, or perhaps on one of the podcast platforms. But wherever you're listening, we would uh, really appreciate it if you would subscribe so you can hear the next episode in case it's more interesting. And, and we don't title episodes. We're not that arrogant, We're pretty arrogant, but we don't title our episodes. Um, this one will have a title. Okay. The Great Pyramids of Egypt. This is the Great Pyramids of America. Okay, we, we we've done a good—I uh, don't know—a a good bit of discussing about what some of the macros are in the American political spectrum, the American way of life. There, obviously, there's a lot of overlap here between our economy, our body politic, our way of life, uh, the American experience. Uh, one, one of the one, one of the driving forces in America today is this populism that is so pervasive and prevalent. It's a um, it's a belief. I mean populism uh, by definition is very emotionally based i mean it's mo- emotionally um concentrated um donald trump gets elected president not as a populist candidate excuse me not as a um a candidate for the populist party but very much a populist candidate i have no idea if trump's a populist or not but the energy that led him to the white house was very populist in nature uh, without question so let's go back to the pyramids i mean we've tried uh, for an extended period of time to identify, you, you've got this pyramid, and at the tip of the pyramid are those who are responsible for running the world. Now that that's 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 broad. I mean that that's painted with a broad brush. That's um uh, that, that's uh, it's not a single person. There's not a king of the world. I mean there you know. I mean if you're a Christian as I am, it's Jesus. I mean it's Christ. It's a uh, belief in the uh, in the gospel of Jesus. But but I have to live in a world. of of bankers and politicians and, and business leaders and, and, you know, media members and sports celebrities. So when you start putting together a kind of a uh, from the bottom to the top, who are the most important figures uh, in America today or in the world today, we've kind of landed. And, you know, once again, no King, no queen, but we've kind of landed with this belief that we have that the, the ones who set the majority of, 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 of acts in motion that lead to world uh, the world economy, the world monetary system, the, the body politic of global affairs, I'm talking about China, Russia, Brazil, India, um, you name it, they're a part of it, are the 2,700 people uh, from 13, 130 countries who gather in Davos once a year for the World Economic Forum. Now, that's not a single person. There's not a single Gulfstream or Learjet that carries the king of the world to Davos, and he gives those 2,699 people from 129 countries their marching order. I mean, it's not a supernatural um, creature who flies in, um, in disguise, indiscreet, and-, and tells everybody, "Okay, here's what I'd like to see happen over the next year." But there are uh, th- there are a group of people who have amassed enormous influence and power and sway over the global economy. Over um, the the monetary system, over the uh, the geopolitical system that the majority of us function and operate in, um, and and that's 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 where we've landed. And once again, I have no idea who the most powerful person of those twenty seven hundred people who gather in Davos. But but once again, painted with a broad brush, we've kind of decided that we believe that's that's the people that make the world go around. Um, sound like a John Prine song. That's the way the world goes round. <laughs> One day you're up, the next you're down. Um, these folks are never down. They're always up, um, unless they're landing at the Gulf Stream or the Lear, Then they are, you know, touching down amongst amongst us peasants. So, <laughs> so, 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 Dave, let, let's let's stay there for a second. There's this there's this pyramid at the bottom of the pyramid of the peasants, and then you've got the the the, the working class. Now you've got a varying degree of workers. You've got the um, the working poor. You've got middle class. And you've got the, uh, the upper middle class, and you've got uh, people who think they're elite. They really aren't, but they think they are. They get invited to the part of the Hilton, but they, excuse me, the Hamptons, but they don't have a home in the Hamptons. Um, and then at the very top, you've got the, the creme de la creme of American culture, of, excuse me, global culture and society. And, and we're talking about, okay, if there's 2,700 people from 13 countries and they gather in Davos, who are they? I mean, I, I'll, I'll name names. I mean, Larry think of BlackRock would be there. The CEO of Vanguard would be one of those. Uh, Jamie Dimon of J.P. Morgan would be there. The Saudi prince would be there. The Saudi oil minister would be there. Um, The Russian energy secretary. I don't know if he goes to Davos or not, but he would be one of those people. Um, The Chinese trade ambassador, uh, the the prime minister of of England. I mean, it, it would be an eclectic and very diverse group of people, but the commonality would be power. I uh, th- these folks have amassed influence, uh, power, normally through um, success in the economy, sometimes by transacting political sway or political power, um, and they kind of sort of grease the skids that make the world go around. So, so let's let's say that that's uh, that's not a settled issue, but for argument's sake, let's say that okay, the majority of people who who believe in uh who, who believe that there is a a place such as that and a, and, a, and a function such or an event such as that. and out of that comes um, climate policy and economic policy and energy policy and monetary policy. I'm not talking about whether or not you know we're going to play a um the Braves are going to play in the World Series or not. I mean they would be interested in that, but these people direct the major policy issues that advance, Humankind (laughs) control our lives. It sounds like. Excuse me. They control our lives. they they control our lives. I mean, you know, whether we like it or not, we believe that we control our lives to some degree. We do. I mean, there's no question about it. If you're an American, you have more control of your life than if you are a Russian or a Ukrainian or a Chinese or or an Indian. But but these people still have enormous influence and sway over the majority of our lives. Now now hold on to that pyramid. I mean that that would be the global pyramid. Of control power and influence, let's go to America. We talked a second ago about Donald Trump getting elected president. Why did Donald Trump get elected president? I mean, let's build a pyramid again. So, so what are the main reasons that Donald Trump got elected president of the United States? Um, some would say that there was a yeah, once in a, gener- or once in a once- in-a lifetime, aligning of the stars, and Trump had name ID. Uh, he had a brand and a marketing. he 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 got the realities of how to ah uh, how to prey on people's emotions. I mean, that's the nature of politics. I mean, Trump's not the first politician to prey on people's emotions. but but I want to go a little bit deeper there's a there's a podcast, and we played a good bit on our radio show, Wake up, Carolina. But there's a podcast that um that will Kane hosts, the will Kane podcast. It's on. Fox News, Will Kane is formerly of ESPN, built quite a reputation for himself uh, in the sports media world, left there with the Fox News. I think Will Kane got in trouble for not being quite as woke as Disney would have liked him to be, um, uh, from rural America, kind of a small-town guy, um, goes over to Fox, is, is, I don't want to say one of their secondary players, but he's not Tucker, he's not Hannity, he's not Laura uh, Ingram, he's not Jesse Water. Some of the some of the primetime players, oh, Brett Baer would be another primetime player at Fox News. But but Will Kane hosts a podcast a couple of weeks before Tucker was let go. Um, I, we, we don't know the details of that. I mean, Tucker and Fox, we're told, came to some mutual agreement that it's in the best interest of the network in the best interest of Tucker to not appear, you know, on his on um, primetime slot eight o'clock on Fox News. But but Will Cain basically um, introduces Tucker as the most effective voice for this new right in America today. And he asked Tucker a question, one of the most interesting questions that I've heard anybody ever ask Tucker, and I've always wondered what the answer to this. Basically, what happened to you? I mean, Tucker would have been one of these guys that, that may or, I mean, he would have been on the borderline of whether or not to be invited to Davos i mean he's a neoconservative he worked at the weekly standard he's highly educated he's very articulate he knows sort of what makes the world go around in the body politic now i don't know how extensive tucker's training is in the economy i mean he's never run a big hedge fund that i know of he's never run a fortune five a company that i know of but but he's been kind of a voice of neoconservatism all of his adult life and and in the will kane podcast when will kane asked tucker what happened to you? Now, this is prior to him being let go at Fox. But he says, Tucker, what happened to you? I mean, a lot of people want to know what happened to you. And and I want to sum it up. I mean, I don't want to go into every gory detail about Tucker. Uh, he basically said that there was a moment in the early 2000s that he wondered what Iraq had to do with 9-11. I mean, that's kind of a revelation. Why in the world? Okay, I get Afghanistan and, and um, you know, um, Bin Laden and the uh, attacks on the American uh, way of life, the uh, World Trade Centers, the Pentagon, the, help me here, the, uh... The, the field in Pennsylvania. Yeah, the, the field in Pennsylvania would be, uh... And there was another. What what am I missing here? You, it was the three airplanes? Yeah, it, it was three, right? Yeah, it was two into Shaneville, the... Pennsylvania. Yeah. uh, The Pentagon. The Pentagon, and, and then and the, the two, the, two well, so into four the Four planes, yeah. three, three events. The two World Trade Centers. But Tucker c- kind of b- began contemplating what 9-11 had to do with, with going and invading Iraq. And it it led him down this, I would imagine, a a very complicated and difficult journey where he began forsaking some of the traditional orthodoxies and beliefs he had about the grand old party. He was a a trained and very astute neoconservative, worked at the Weekly Standard, uh, I think worked a bit at the Heritage Foundation. Once again, highly intelligent, highly informed, highly engaged in the body politic, and he really began questioning um, some of the some of the entrenched beliefs that he had, I think he calls David Frum and Bill Crystal out by name, and he says, you know, in a very complimentary way, these guys are competent, smart. They just wouldn't admit they were wrong. And Tucker said it was obvious to him how wrong he was about his belief in neoconservatism. And and you know, Tucker, I mean, he goes into. I would encourage anybody if you've got fifty six minutes, and I mean, I'd get you break it down into one or two or three different listening sessions. Most people don't have an hour just to do nothing with except listen to what Tucker, I actually listened to it Friday afternoon on my way somewhere, and it was very productive, informative, enlightening, helped me understand this um this evolution or transformation in what I consider to be the most effective voice in American pop. So, so where are you going? I mean, why are we talking about pyramids? And you're over here railing about Tucker Carlson and populism, um, kind of overpowering neoconservatism. But because I think when you look at the pyramid of who's in charge, and you get to Davos at the top of the at the at the, at the tip of the pyramid, there's Davos. I mean, there's not a king wearing a velvet robe, but there's a cabal. I mean, there's a group of people that put in action once again economic policy, monetary policy, social and cultural policy. I mean, I would imagine that's part of this: the ESG, DEI. We I mean, ain't talking about Dale Earnhardt Incorporated, but some of that. Um, you know, that, that, that governs companies and companies have allowed that to be a part of their, their policymaking. Um, how aware am I of the world around me as I make decisions on how profitable or not uh, we try to be. So you've got a pyramid over here. So here's what I want us to concentrate on for a couple of minutes. You've got this pyramid over here and why did Trump get elected? I mean, I've I've often wondered this. I mean, I think there's a great classic study in political science. What in the world allowed Republican primary voters to begin with and then regular, average, everyday, independent-minded Americans? Not Democrats. I mean, I think we saw some crossover, but no more than normal. What we saw, a lot of people come to the dance that had never danced. I mean, I think we know that. There were a lot of um, people who were very politically illiterate, disinterested, that came to the polls, that, that voted in favor of Donald Trump. I've said it. I'll say it again. I think the great travesty or the great mistake that the, the Republican Party is making is continuing to believe that Trump voters are Republican voters. They're not. I mean, they're Trump voters. There's a loyalty there. Now, I don't know if it's necessarily the man, but the belief that, that, that in this, go back to Davos. If, if Davos is, I mean, if, if, you, if we're right about Davos and, and tip of the um, tip of the pyramid of those who control the world, they could care less about the working class. But I mean, it's, it's trade policy, it's immigration, it's, um, it's monetary policy, and none of this has been to advantage the American working class. I can't comment on what happens in China, India, Brazil. I read, I try to better understand the world around me, but, but I can't, I mean, if, if, I'm, if I'm saying something about, you know, what's happening in China, it's speculative. If I'm saying something about what I believe is happening in Russia and Ukraine, it's speculative. I think I can give a pretty good accounting of what's happening in America, because I live in Main Street, USA. I mean, I was raised in Main Street, USA. So, so you've got on the top of this pyramid, Davos. And what I'm in search for is on the top of this pyramid, why Trump got elected. And I think Tucker nails it. I mean, I think Will Cain leads him there. But I think Tucker basically says, yeah, I mean, I, I was a neoconservative. And I began to question what I believed in. And, and, and I began to apologize for some of these long-held beliefs that I had, um, so, so, some of these ah, some of these indisputables, as you work for the Weekly Standard, as you sit at the knee of Bill Crystal, as you better understand the world around you. And, and Tucker says he looked around for others to apologize as well, and very few did. But they doubled down, tripled down, quadrupled down, and, and, and began to really revile to some degree. Those who say it, I don't particularly care for the way you've governed the country. So so Tucker argues, and I guess to some degree we have, on the radio for a good while, that the reason Donald Trump got elected is those who have been entrusted with the power of our federal government are just not very good at the job. I mean, it's, it's not real complicated. And, and and once you decide that, then you've got to decide why. How did we, I mean, how did the most powerful country in the history of mankind allow itself to be governed by people who just aren't very good at the job. Now, I'm not saying they aren't smart. I don't know if they are or not. I'm not saying they aren't competent. I don't know if they are or not. I'm not saying they aren't um, diligent. I don't know if they are or not. It's obvious they're fairly highly educated. The majority of administrative agencies in the government are run by graduates of prestigious universities, alumni of uh, the Stanford School of Business, the Darton uh, School of Finance, the Wharton School of Business, um, Yale Law, Harvard Law, Stanford Law. I mean, There's a great deal of prestige in these universities and a great deal of, uh, I guess, crossover prestige. I mean, once you graduate from Stanford Law, the legal community holds you in high regard. If you graduate from Harvard Law, the legal community holds you in high regard. So why wouldn't that transition to being an effective leader of a government agency? But it's hard to argue that Tucker's not right. I mean, it's hard to argue... That, that Trump got elected. Did, Trump, did Donald Trump got elected because he's the most moral man to ever run for the presidency, the most ethical man to ever run for the presidency, the most decent and reverent soul to ever seek uh, the presidency? None of that's true. Nobody, nobody even believes that for a second. Now, now once again, I don't know how reverent or not Trump is. I don't know how vulgar or not, or how decent or not, or how moral or not, or ethical or not. Trump did not run a campaign based on ethics or morality. He ran a campaign based on These people who are running the country aren't very good. And I know they aren't very good because I know who they are. And Tucker kind of says some of the same things. The reason that that I know these people aren't very good at the job is because I know who they are and I know what the job is required of. And when you look at, uh, I guess, where we are as a nation, it's hard to argue they know what they're doing. Once again, the the argument would be, well, I mean, they're plenty smart. Okay. I mean, let's say they are. that They're plenty dedicated. Okay, let, let's say they are. Uh, you, you certainly you're not arguing that some of these universities graduate incompetent people. No. The, the, the only point I'm trying to make is they're not very good at what we've hired them to do. They're not very good at what we've elected them um, to do. And the country is hurting as a result of that. And it seems to me, and I'll go back to the moment after Trump gets elected, to me the only realization that those we've entrusted to run our country needed the moment or day after the election was this moment of self-evaluation and introspection that I don't think we've had yet. I mean, Tucker had a moment of self-evaluating and introspection. I mean, he he admits that. I mean, he says, I believed in all these things, and I trusted those who told me to believe in all these things until I didn't believe in them any longer. And I found out that all of these these entrenched bedrocks in my political worldview— were just misleading. That they were they were not correct. And, you know, I'm I'm man enough to admit I was wrong. I'm mad enough to admit I was misled. But 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 certainly I gotta be man enough to change my mind. And so many people refuse to change their mind. Because if 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 more people were like Tucker, and this is not a Tucker fan club uh, episode of um of No Stoplights, but it is uh the day after listening to a podcast with Will Kane and, and Tucker offer up the reason America is in decline is the people we've entrusted to run America just aren't very good at the job. And, be, and not being good at the job but being allowed to continue doing the job it is by natural, I mean, it, there's a natural progression there that leads to a, to a nation in decline. So when Trump gets elected in 2016, I mean, why was the reaction of those we've, we've empowered to run our government, why was the reaction not that moment of introspection? that moment of self-evaluation, uh, you, you grab your toothbrush, that, or you grab your razor that morning, that, that, that Wednesday morning in November 2016, and you look in the mirror, and before you put shaving cream, you say, the hell did we do? I mean, did we suck that bad? I mean, what have we done to, I don't want to say force, what, what have we done to allow the American people to believe or rationalize that that makes any sense at all? And I, and I go back to razor in hand, that, that, that moment required of people in power, people with authority. Some go, some go to Davos, some don't. Some are part of these masters of the universe, some are not. But they all have attained or amassed a certain degree of authority within our government. And Trump gets elected, they don't have that moment of introspection. They don't have that moment of self-evaluating like Tucker did to really take into account, hey, what do I believe in and why? And I think at the top of the pyramid, once again, we, we've, we've speculated. We've not, we, we've not settled anything. We've speculated that on the, the most powerful people on the planet, the majority gather in Davos. And out of that comes a system of policies that we have to abide by, whether we like it or not. Uh, we can raise hell and pitch a fit. There's a good country phrase there. Uh, we can, you know, do whatever it is. But we're going to play by a certain percentage of those rules, whether we like them or not. And then you come over here, and you say, okay, I mean, I, I don't want to call it the anti-Davos crowd, but but what happened that led to Trump's success? What happened uh, that led to Tucker's evolution or Tucker's, um, you know, his, um, what, what do we call it here? Uh, his his kiwi. His, his, uh, conversion Conversion. that's the word i'm looking for that's why you're here okay so you can help me when i get lost for for something so so, yeah so so what happened on tucker's road to damascus that led to the conversion and and i think i mean i think he nails it i think will kane really did a great job of um allowing tucker not to vent any frustration because i mean it seems to me tucker's very much at peace with himself now now there's an element out there that believes tucker's full of it it's a money grab you know that there's an audience out there that is getting larger and larger and more informed and more informed. Some call it the Trumpsters. Some call it the MAGA movement. Some call it the America Firsters. Some call it the populist element within the uh, the Grand Old Party. I have no, call it whatever you choose to call it. But I believe at the pinnacle of or at the peak of the pyramid of of why we're seeing such a radical transition in the Republican Party is a number of Republican voters have concluded beyond doubt. I mean, there, there is no doubt in their mind. Now, now, you know, is there a doubt in my mind? There always is a doubt to some degree in my mind, but these millions and millions and millions and millions of people have decided, now, that they're not able to articulate themselves as, uh, as colorful as Tucker is. Uh, they certainly don't have a forum or an audience as, as big as Tucker's. I mean, Tucker would be the most effective voice in America First politics today, uh, without question, I've got an opinion of where I think he needs to be and would and would better serve. I think if Tucker were to be on the radio from 12 to 3, that would put the earth back on its axis because formerly Rush Limbaugh was the conservative thought leader in America. Uh, Rush was not a convert. I mean, I don't know if Rush would have eventually, had he lived long enough, would Rush have done kind of a mea culpa and said, hey, some of these things I believed in. You know, uh, the one thing Rush does is defend corporate America at about every turn, because he is a pure capitalist and, you know, wants government to be limited in its interaction with corporate. I get that. I respect that. And I have no idea if Rush had lived long enough, he would have converted and kind of said, hey, these things that I once believed, I'm not sure I believe in any of those or not any of those. I'm not sure I believe in most of those anymore. But, but, but I think I think Tucker is. The, the, the case study, now, once again, he is an uber-talented pundit. He is unbelievably versed in American history. He has the, um, the street cred and bona fides to say things about being a convert. I'm not sure I do. I'm not sure. Well, I'm sure I don't. I'm not sure anybody else does. But I think we can learn a lot from Tucker articulating on the Will Kane. P- and I would encourage our listeners. I mean, after you listen to this podcast, go <laughs> listen to Will Kane interview um, Tucker Carlson. They, they don't call it the peak of the pyramid or the tip of the iceberg. That's my Uh, Verbiage. That's my way of describing what I sense Tucker is on to. He's trying to be apologetic for what he believed and why he believed it. But he's also being willing to say, hey, I was wrong. I mean, all these things I believe, all these things I put my faith in. um, And and look, look, if, if the country's run by smart, capable people, once again, I'm not saying how competent or not, because you can be very competent, not good at running a country. You can be smart, not good at running a country. Um, they're very smart, competent people failed at running businesses, but, but I, I, think in conclusion, equally as important as the peak of the pyramid with Davos, you've got a peak of the pyramid in the American government. And I think it's, it, it's fairly well substantiated by, by the results I mean, the proofs in the pudding. You are what your record says. You are, says Bill Parcells. We have seen a decline of the middle class. We've got in excess of $33 trillion in federal debt. Our foreign entanglements have been um, far less successful than we ever imagined they would. So how do you conclude that, that uh, I mean, if, if, you've, if you've concluded that America's in decline, I have, maybe you've not, I've concluded America's in decline, I think the next obvious question is why? And I believe that the, at the tip of this pyramid is the why. And the why is the people running America today just aren't real good at running America. One of our sponsors, Carolina Bank serves communities throughout northeastern South Carolina, offering a wide range of services to meet every personal or business need from straightforward accounts to complex finances. They're prepared to help you reach your financial goals. Carolina Bank, banking on tradition since 1936. Member FDIC Schofield's Ace Hardware, your one-stop shop for all hardware, paint and lawn and garden needs, plus... All things sporting goods, including firearms, safes, clothing, footwear, and more. Pepsi of Florence represent the entire product line of PepsiCo, one of the world's leading food and beverage companies. Pepsi of Florence also serves brands from other great companies, such as Dr. Pepper, Canada Dry Lipton Tea, Gatorade, and various regional brands. Mickey Finn's largest South Carolina liquor wholesaler, serving every county in the state, largest bourbon selection statewide. They ship wines to 43 states, opening soon a new beverage warehouse across from Bucky's on I 95 in Florence. They support USC athletics, including Williams Bryce and Colonial Life Arena. Marlboro PD Electric Co op. If you're in big business and looking for an industrial park in the South to build your new plant, consider Marlboro PD Electric Co op's new PD Commerce Center. Uh, An industrial park located at the I-95 exit in Florence, South Carolina. Check it out at mpdccoop or pdec.com.